the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. So on the live blog, 910KNEW, I got a good post on occasion that happens. Lady named Suzanne said, I've insisted my kids put their money in a bank account, at least 10% of the money that they get. Allowance gifts money, odd jobs. They're 11 and 14. I do this mostly to get them in the habit of saving. Do you think I should encourage more? I do. Because it's one thing to put money in the bank. That's not going to teach you a lot. It's another thing to, there's there's a website that you can go to called buyandhold.com, buyandhold.com. And you can buy one share of any stock you want to buy. Um, and that's what I would do. I would take it one step further, Suzanne, and you've got kids who are 11 and 14. Let's say they're a boy and girl. And with the girl, let's say she loves Barbies. You can buy Mattel, M-A-T. And what I would do is they'll send you an annual report. If, let's say she's a chunky kid, maybe she you can buy Hershey's. So, and they'll send you an annual report every year that says, here's what we are. And it's pretty cool. If I mean, you can get these annual reports without owning a share. You just call the company and say, can I get a copy of your annual report? But in it, they'll tell you a letter from the CEO. Those go, hi, my name is Gil Gross. I'm bloated news opinion man on TG. No, he'll say, hi, I'm you know the CEO of this company. And uh, here's what we did good this year. We introduced double Hershey stack bars or we introduced a, a Barbie movies coming out this summer. Actually, they are making a live action Barbie movie. So that's neither here nor there. So whatever your kids like, Activision, if they like video games, um, buy them one share and then make them, you know, once a month at dinner, talk about the company. What did Activision stock do this month? Um, did it? Did Activision come out with Call of Duty? That's their product. Or did, you know, uh, did Hershey come out with a new candy bar? Did Mattel come out with anything new with Matchbox cars? Buy one share and talk to them about it. And what they're going to see is the stocks sometimes go up, sometimes they go down. They'll learn about product and they'll learn a little bit about investing. For a 14 and 11-year-old, I think you'd be doing them a favor because they're four or five years from now from getting a job at Starbucks and getting shares of Starbucks as part of a 401k plan. I think that would be better than just saving. Now, Chad Burton, he's got very healthy loins. He's got very healthy sperm. He's got three kids. He looks kind of like Kirk Curbstreet from ESPN's College Football Day. But he's got three kids. He's got piggy banks that automatically, when they put money into it, 10% goes to charity. He makes his kid give money to charity. I would have hated my dad if I had to give away money as a kid. I cherished money. I loved money. To me, money was my, I'm saving it for a video game. Um, I didn't want to give it to charity, but like he's a better person than I am. So you get the idea. Um, I'm not telling you what to do as far as I, putting money in the bank account's cute, but... It doesn't have a good lesson. I put money in a Pentagon Federal Credit Union on a regular basis. 
it never taught me anything. That money's still there. I've never touched it in my whole life, and it's never added up to a whole lot of money. So it's good, but I'd take it one step further. Buyandhold.com is, is the way I would play that one. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Michael in San Jose. Michael? Hey, Robert. Uh, how you doing? Good. I like that you called me by my, my Christian name, Robert. Well, I, you said it the other day. My friends call me Robert. I consider you my friend. Okay. I don't know who you are, but that's okay. There we go. Hey, uh, I like your show. I, I had a couple questions. I have a couple properties that are upside down I wanted your advice on. And also, uh, Boston Scientific, what's your feel on that for a stock? Sure. Um, let's talk a little upside down properties first and foremost. Uh, tell me what you got, where you got it, when you got it. Give me a little bit more color. Yeah, I've got a property in uh, Sparks, Reno area. I bought it 271 and it's worth about 180 Okay, Sparks, Reno, what I'll, I'll throw out right now, that's not a healthy real estate market. It's basically a desert that's in a valley, and there's lots and lots of real estate. So if you're thinking that's ever going to be a good investment, not a chance on the planet. Can you get investors in, can you get renters in there and have it be cash flow positive? Maybe. I would look at getting rid of that one right off the gate. Um, And I would consider a foreclosure. I would talk to a real estate attorney to help you through the process of foreclosure. You're not going to be able to short sell it because it's going to be a recourse loan because it's an investment property. Um, So you're going to, I think really seriously, you're going to want to get a professional inside on that one to help you um, get out of that, so to speak. So what else do you own? Uh, uh, Property in Los Gatos. That's where I live. Oh, good. Los Gatos is lovely. Are you in the good part of Los Gatos or the the ghetto part of Los Gatos? Uh, uh, Over there by uh, Moore and Pollard. I don't know if if you know. uh, uh, Near Saratoga, Campbell border. That's nice. That's very, very nice. Saratoga, lovely. Um, and for the record, there's no ghetto part of uh, Los Gatos. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was yeah. like, where is the ghetto part of Los Gatos? Well, let's put it this way. There's super high end and there's high end in Los Gatos. Oh. Um, and you live there? Keep it. You can afford your mortgage, right? Yes. So keep it. Don't stress too much. Okay. So. And what do you think about Boston Scientific? Um, do you own this one already? Yes. Okay, it's a medical device company, as you know. What else do you own? Give me a little bit more color on who you are, Michael. Uh, I own a few stocks. Uh, let me think. Uh, Cressy, I like the food stock. I own, that's Argentine stock. Okay. Uh, I own Citibank. Okay. Well, just recently I, I purchased that. And uh, I kind of like this guy Paulson. He's a hedge fund trader. I've been watching his stuff, and he's into gold, and I own some gold as well. Okay, how do you own gold? What way do you own gold? Uh, A couple ways, GLD and uh, BGEIX, which is 20th century. Okay, good. So you own stocks and mutual funds that are tied towards gold and sometimes gold miners in that case. Right, and Uh, I own silver, SLV. Okay, I'm not crazy about silver. To me, I'd prefer copper over silver, but that's me. And um, I think I've gone on record saying that pretty aggressively. Let's talk a little bit about Boston Scientific. It sounds like you got some diversification. Um, hopefully, you've got some broad mutual funds as well, because I don't think man can live and die on single stocks alone. And thanks for the call. Boston Scientific, ticker symbol is BSX. First thing that stands out is it's had a good, well, it's had an interesting year. It's gone from 15 to 4 to 11. For the majority of the year, it's been going higher but it collapsed 12 months ago before it started putting in a base and moving higher. And Boston Scientific, it's got a price-to-sales ratio of about two. The price-to-earnings ratio, which is what I'd like to talk about, it's not quite white. Not, not quite white. 
not quite right. Um, it's trading at 16 times next year's, but this year's it's kind of been a loss form. This is a company out of Massachusetts, and it's a play on the aging of the baby boomer. After World War II, people got together, they copulated, they made children, lots and lots of children. And that has created a generation that's getting older. As that generation gets older now, because we're 65 plus years removed from that world war, as that generation gets older, their hips start to give out, their back starts to give out. Um, And what Boston Scientific does is tied towards that. It's tied towards um, cardiology, uh, gynecology, urology, pain management, heart failure, arrhythmia. They've got 13,000 products. I couldn't even begin to tell you the amount of products that they have. But ultimately, and tell me if this doesn't sound like fun, one of their products is a urethral sling. A urethral sling? Doesn't that sound like a party? That's sling from someone's urethral. Okay, that doesn't sound fun if you know where the urethral is. They do catheters. They do defibrillators. They do stents, uh, which are things that, you know, prop open your arteries so the blood flows through a little bit better. They do pacemakers. Um, They're in 45 different countries. They've got a pretty good sales staff. It's a play on the aging of the baby boomer. They got into a little bit of trouble, um, clearly, with product, and that hurt them. Now, if you take a look at them in the last three years, Sales have gone from $7.8 billion to $8.3 billion to $8 billion. Now, they've lost money, and that's almost inexcusable. So I'm going to say you want to look at Medtronic. You want to compare them to Medtronic, ticker symbol MDT, very similar, and look at the price-to-earnings ratio of both. Look at the profit margins of both. Look at the price-to-sales ratio of both. Look at the debt-to-equity of both. Look at the uh, total cash of both. See, Wall Street's not about being right with one company. It's about comparing two companies before you buy one company. So you sort of know what you're getting yourself into. So let's see if there's any big news coming out of Boston Scientific. They got a two-year deal for a clinical trial comparing uh, their their product versus another product, Uh, a bypass graph. What else do we got? Medtronic earnings preview. Um, Interest in contracts open. I'm not really seeing anything that's jumping out here. So give me a second. Recently upgraded to outperform. Company's highly experienced CEO. They got a new CEO when there was $11 stock. They've made substantial progress towards resolving past challenges, including reducing debt. They've got a lot of debt. Stabilizing and even expanding um, some of their market share. Progress should accelerate. 2012, the firm thinks the Boston Scientific could be much more profitable than today, possibly more profitable than currently uh, reflected in street expectations. Good cash flow growth. So it seems like um, the CEO, he bought 100,000 shares at $11 of Boston Scientific. And Wall Street seems to, to like him and trust him. I'd monitor it closely. It's right about here where he bought those shares. You get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Oh, when I was talking about your 14-year-old and 11-year-old kids buying stocks, there's also a good website. And it is called younginvestor.com, younginvestor.com good way to learn a little bit more about investing in money for kitties 800-345-5639 calls in the air knew this is rob black
I'm Rob Black, as the big voice just told you. Students are borrowing more than ever for college. Heavy debt loads means a lot of young people can't live the life that they expected. To me, it is really a crying shame to see what we're doing to our younger people in our nation. Um, It's sad. It's pathetic. As a nation, we'll give you $4,500 to go buy a new car and get $30,000 in debt. Woo! But we're not helping our kids enough. We're not helping the students. Students are borrowing dramatically more to pay for college. This is an accelerated trend that has wide-range implications for a generation of younger people. I came out of college with not a lot of college debt. I had student loans, but they were small compared to what we're seeing today. Total amount borrowed by students and received by schools in 2008-2009, it grew by about 25% over the previous years. The amount of money students borrow has long been on the rise, but last year far surpassed any other increase that we had ever seen. It was just crazy. Now, the sharp growth is definitely above expectations. We're seeing an economic situation that no one predicted. It's eye-opening. The average debt load right now, well, hold on a minute. Two-thirds of college students borrow money to pay for college, and the average debt load is $23,186 by the time they graduate. I'd like to see that number smaller. Only a dozen years earlier, only 58% of students would borrow money to pay for college, and that was only $13,172. So look what 10 years does. The debt load is doubled in 10 years. That's shameful. That's pathetic. Because we don't understand the ripple effects, because we don't take a look at them. Heavily indebted young people, they don't buy a house for a long period of time when they come out of college. They live at home. They don't go out and sell their own route, so to speak. Loan payments are affecting a major life decision. It puts off traditional milestones. It can put off a first home. It can put off marriage. It can put off children. The ripple effect of our college kids coming out with so much debt, it's sad. Rising levels of borrowing, it can be ironic because it's accelerating the cost of college as well. Colleges are fat. We need to trim our colleges. So... I'm just being honest with you. I know people that go to college now where the teacher shows slides of the time she went to a museum. That's her whole curriculum. Slideshows of when she went to a museum. And that is an expensive college class. It's ridiculous how lazy teachers can be. I'm not going to say that my college education was the toughest thing ever. But I'm telling you today, college educations are almost, you know, marshmallow-like. So, I don't know. I think we're we're killing... For instance, here's one. One Fort Lauderdale student has $175,000 in student loans for seven years of college and law school. $175,000 in student loans. That's grotesque. Now, I know that he put it on himself on some level. There's another person quoted in this article, a woman named Lillian Russell. She graduated from the University of Pittsburgh last year. $181,000 in debt for seven years. And, oh, by the way, she can't get a job. I don't know. I think there's something really wrong with our collegiate system in the United States. And I think that's one of the reasons we're going to become not second. We're not going to be second to China for a long, 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 long time. But our education versus their education, they've got four times as many students in engineering degrees as the United States do. We're not looking good, ladies and gentlemen. Now, back to school, there's two really important times of the year. Christmas. And back to school, if you're a retailer, today we got retail numbers, and they're pretty gross, pretty awful, all things considered, but they were better than expected. 
Gap Limited Brands, American Eagle Outfitters, they report smaller August sales declines than previous expectations. Back to school purchases are, you know, they're there. So it's it's bad. It's not horrific. Though we saw some BTS numbers today. Let's talk a little bit of Apple. This is a story that I apologize for. It fell through the cracks for two days. Apple is going to have a big announcement on 9909. This station's going to have a big announcement on 91009. Now we're doing ours because the station's 910. But more importantly, Apple sent out, you know, invitation to the press and to analysts that said they're going to be holding a special event on Wednesday. From its industry and supply chain checks based on the invite, it says it's only rock and roll, but we like it. Focus obviously going to be on new iPods and potentially a new enhanced version of iTunes. iTunes is probably going to get some, some social networking capabilities. Very, very low levels of iPods right now, particularly in the popular Nano and Touch models. And basically, retailers like Amazon, Target, and Walmart, they just don't have a lot. So Apple's trying to clear the channel so they can put some new stuff out there. New touchscreen, new sub-notebook, form factors. Um, checks are indicating that procuring screens of various sizes from 4 to 12 inches. So the, the, the tablet is looking to be more of a 2010 story, early 2010. Because we're seeing that Apple's buying 10-inch screens. But they're going to introduce something now that it's not going to be revolutionary. Now, Gene Munster, he speculates that Steve Jobs is going to take the stage at this event. And that's in of itself, because he took health-related leave of absence, that it's going to be a slight positive for shares of Apple. So what is this all about? Let's transition from the iPod and the success of the iPod. Let's go back to Rob's childhood. Let's go back to the 1990s. Mom, Dad, I want a Sony Walkman for Christmas. I wanted it. I had to have it. Everyone else had it. I wanted it. And what was funny is they had um, cassette tapes. The Walkman was cassette tapes. I mean, what a ripoff, right? But you got to put the, the earbuds over your ear and hear music for the first time like you'd never heard it. Sony was top-notch. And every every kid had to have one. And then the Sony CD player came out, and every kid had to have one. We would walk around with CDs attached to our hips. We would play CDs attached to our hips. Isn't it funny how uh, technology jumps all around? So Sony's Walkman digital player has actually outsold Apple's iPod in Japan for the first time in more than four years. Now, if you think we got cool gadgets here, Japan's 10 years ahead of us. They got cool gadgets there. Japanese company shares of portable music players sold climbed to 43%, exceeding Apple's 42% of the iPod. So Tokyo-based researcher said today in statements, the iPhone also has cannibalized iPod sales, so it's not a totally reliable statistic. But Sony, whose Walkman cassette players pioneered the portable music industry in the late 70s, they gained market share after introducing models, including the W series of cordless players that sell for under 10,000 yen, 108 bucks. Sony's gained customers seeking less expensive products and those seeking high quality by broadening its lineup. You can't really say Sony has regained competitiveness against Apple unless it improves its market share in the United States and Europe. Japan's its own unique little niche market. It's a big market, but it's a niche market. I bring this up why. I own shares of Apple. I will eventually sell shares of Apple. I've learned a lesson at one point in time, Motorola was the king of cell phones, and they passed that on to Nokia. Nokia passed it on to BlackBerry Research in Motion, and Research in Motion passed it on to 
Apple. Things evolve, and sometimes our friends in the jungle die. So I have shares of Apple, but at some point in time, this story tells me, don't forget you once had to have a, a, a Sony Walkman. Now, Microsoft is coming out with news as well. And Microsoft introduced the Zune models. They plan to drop all of their Zune models, except for the high-definition version that it's due out in two weeks. Microsoft said it's going to continue to offer the Flash Zune, 4 gigabyte, 8 gigabyte, 16 gigabyte, and 80 gigabyte, until they're sold out. However, the Zune HD device, which will be available September 15th, it features a touchscreen, HD radio, HD video out, and an internet browser. It's going to be the sole Zune device that they are going to be selling going forward. They're launching this updated Zune software and the Zune High Definition uh, as it becomes available. Zune Video Service is going to be available at Xbox Live. Microsoft is dropping all of its Zunes except for one. Basically, just not really winning market share. They're trying a new approach, which is a touchscreen version. It's going to have Windows, Microsoft. It's going to have Microsoft's Multimedia Player. It's meant to bring the product on par with Apple's iPod Touch, and give Microsoft a stronger competitor against the other high-end MP3 and video players. Zune was first introduced three years ago, and no one thought they were going to do anything because they felt like, boy, you're so far behind the iPod. It's not fared particularly well. Microsoft has dissolved its separate Zune division recently. And now the Zune is part of their TV, video, and music business, so it used to be separate. They weren't going to beat Apple. They gave up. It's the Rob Black Show. Talk 9, 10, KNEW. Tomorrow from 11, 12, I'll have Will Durst, funny man, Will Durst in studio, talking with me. He's my first repeat guest, I believe. That's worthy of note. I started the show back on, I think, March 24th-ish, six months in. So if I were a pregnant lady, I'd be six months pregnant. I'd be like starting to hate life. Baby's kicking at night. Three more months, my contract's over. Be giving birth. Interesting to note. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's Talk 910 KDW. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. U.S. Open's going on right now. An American teenager, Melanie Udon, has upset fourth-seated Elena Dementia, or Dementia, or whatever her name is. I'm not so good at the the Russians. Uh-huh. Um, three sets during the second round of play at the U.S. Open. Anyway, why, why do I bring this up? I I belong to a tennis club, and during the U.S. Open, during Wimbledon, they get kind of geeked up. And I actually avoid the tennis club during these times, in large part. It's sad to see little 12-year-old kids totally geeked up on who you think is going to win the U.S. Open. So I guess the whole world has their nerds, but it's interesting that a tennis club has tennis nerds. And uh, I flee from nerds. I flee from the nerds. Um, Interesting stories that are out there. Powerful HIV-blocking antibodies raising new hopes for vaccine against AIDS. As an investor, the area that you're going to get burned the most in are what are called story stocks. Story, it's a great story. They're trying, someone's trying to come up with a cure for AIDS. 
It's a great story. Now, a new blood screening technique turned up antibodies with the ability to neutralize many strains of its virus, a discovery that might help create a long-sought vaccine against a deadly disease. The finding was published in the Journal of Science today. It's a result of the international effort of AIDS researchers using new methods developed by two biotech companies. One of them is called Monogram Biosciences, and it's publicly traded. Now, this is the type of story that can get you into a massive amount of trouble. It's a home run or it's a strikeout. And it's a story stock. There was a big story that went around in mid-90s, early 90s, about this technology genius who used to work with AT&T under the Lucent division before it was the Lucent division. And he was going to come out with this new radical internet technology that was basically WiMAX. It was going to be, you know, WiMAX is a technology that's starting to get deployed right now, that it could beam internet access through walls. And that was the premise of it. It was super bandwidth. And it was talked about in the Wall Street Journal because the guy bought an ad. He bought an ad in the Wall Street Journal that said, on September 15th, I'm going to come out with an announcement to change the world. And this was a little penny stock. And uh, it got to the point where it was a $10 stock. Enough people saw that ad. Enough people heard this is going to be the next big thing. Got to be really careful as an investor. He had nothing. He had nothing. He was a, a Mormon technologist with nothing. Why do I bring up the fact that he was Mormon? I don't know. Just odd thing that I remember about him. Um, it was part of his marketing literature. Oh, and by the way, when you got his marketing literature, it looked like it was Xerox by a 16-year-old boy who threw the stuff in the back of his car under a pizza box for a week. It was the marketing literature that it, was, it made you feel really, really uncomfortable. So be careful on story stocks. Story stocks can be anything from... This is the company that's going to be servicing all foreclosures, or this is the company that's going to come up with a cure for AIDS, or this is the company that is in, you know, late, late discussions with Cisco about a new router technology. As Forrest Gump says, that's a great story and you tell it so well, but I like numbers. I like earnings. I like financials. I like cash. When I look to buy an individual company, that's what I like. It's worthy of note. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Hmm. Trying to find interesting angles that are out there. Oh, airline food. Sushi at 35,000 feet. No, thank you. Cherry Garcia ice cream in the middle seat. No, thank you. Sage-infused derby cheese and dried apricots from a cart. No, thank you. But airlines are upgrading their coach food offerings. They're hoping that passengers are going to finally swallow the notion of buying food in the sky. Uh, free meals and coach were removed from most airlines, as we all know, in the cost-cutting moves in 2001, 2002, 2003. And a lot of travelers have grown accustomed to toting their own food aboard planes at this point in time. Now, Hawaiian Airlines says that about 4 to 7% of people pay for premium food. And I say, no, thank you. So, um... Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny hearing your own voice do that. Um, and I still don't believe that's me. Ah, who doesn't like a list? I like a list. Top cars that thieves like to steal. Just because Honda's a clunker doesn't mean that it's safe to leave unlocked. People steal cars in this day and age. One million vehicles are stolen every year. 1994 Honda Accord is the most stolen car. Does that make any sense at all? Last year, 55,000 Accords were stolen in the United States. 
clearly the thieves aren't after style. They're just after substance. They're going after vehicles they, they can cut up and pinch. Now, older vehicles like the 15-year-old Accord, they're stolen so often because their lack of theft deterrent technology makes them easy. Their parts are easy to get to. Headlights, tires, catalytic converters, anything containing copper. Copper is valuable on the black market. It also comes down to some pure numbers. Hondas and Toyotas sell millions and millions of these things. So the targets are a little bit more obvious. There's more of them out there. Most neighborhood hooligans wouldn't know how to steal a Lamborghini. But when it comes to mundane rides, it's pretty easy to figure out. Honda Civic, number two on the list. Now, you can stop. Auto theft rates would decline if you know you just stop leaving expensive stuff in your car. Low jack, aftermarket, $695 device that allows people to track your car, and it's got a 90% recovery rate. But sales for low jacks are down. Who really wants to pay $695 for a low jack system? OnStar, which is offered as a standard feature in 50 GM models, including the Chevy, Corvette, GMC Yukon, the Hummer, Cadillac. They've also obviously OnStar has led to a decrease in auto thefts. The systems allow drivers to talk with representatives at a central call center for everything from emergency services to driving directions. So OnStar has helped cut down on theft. Now obviously the best defense clearly take away shopping bags, purses, loose change. If you leave loose change in your car and you live in the city of San Francisco, you're an idiot. If you leave loose change in your car and it's visible to a street person, you're an idiot. Most stolen car in the United States, a 1994 Honda Accord. Second most stolen car is the 1995 Honda Civic. These these are weird, right? The 98, I'm sorry, the 89 Toyota Camry is third. Number four on the list of most stolen is the 1997 Ford F-150 pickup. I would never pick that one. And the 2004 Dodge Ram pickup is number five on the list. Like, Tacoma is not on there. ID Ask is Tacoma on there. And no, you are incorrect. No. I should have done a Family Feud style reveal. Let you call in. Maybe we'll play Family Feud uh, down the road. I'll be like Richard Dawson. I'll, I'll mack on all the ladies. 800-345-5639. Get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. Get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talk 910 KNEW. It's Talk 910 KNEW. Hi, I'm Glenn Beck. Coming up at noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. NBA star Magic Johnson has been dropped as a pitchman by Jackson Hewitt. They want to get down to the local level to do more marketing. The Dallas Cowboys, they are the most expensive franchise in the United States as far as um, sports franchises. They are worth, what do you think they're worth? $1.6 billion. Last in the NFL is your Oakland Raiders. Washington Redskins are valued at $1.5 billion. So right behind the Cowboys are the Redskins. And then right behind the Redskins are the Giants, valued at one, whoops, I'm sorry, the New England Patriots, $1.3 billion. Then the New York Giants, and then the New York Jets. Now, the Jets stink. It's clearly all about being in New York. Franchise valuations probably going to level off right now as the recession makes it difficult for prospective buyers to raise money. There's not going to be a lot of people bidding on the Cowboys because there's not a lot of people who can raise the money to buy the Cowboys. 
Revenue is driven a lot by television contracts as well. Now, if you jump over the pond, you find the English Premier Soccer League champion, Manchester United. They're owned by the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers owner, Malcolm Glazer. So he bought them for $1.4 billion in 2005, and they're probably worth about $1.8 billion. So he's made a cool $400 million on his investment. Second most valuable soccer brand is Spain's Real Madrid, valued at $1.3 million. Now, if you jump to my sport, well, not my sport. No, no, no. My sport's hockey, if I have a sport. But um, baseball, $1.5 billion. Who's the top franchise? Again, the Cowboys are worth $1.65 billion. In baseball, the top franchise is $1.5 billion, and that would be your New York Yankees. They're the only Major League Baseball team worth more than $1 billion. That's impressive. So if you take a look at the, um, the Oakland Raiders, their value is about $800 million, down 7% year over year. Their revenue, $215 million per year. San Francisco 49ers, they're number 27 on the list. The Raiders are 32. San Francisco 49ers worth $880 million. So I guess we got that going for us. Green Bay Packers worth about $1 billion, $20 million. Carolina Panthers, that's a shocker. They're worth $1.05 billion. That's a little bit of a shocker, to be quite honest with you. Because if you go to Carolina, what you're going to quickly learn is not a lot going on in Carolina. We've got a good job market, healthy job market, a lot of mid-sized cities, which you know didn't really fall prey to the real estate boom, but not a lot going on there. So the Oakland Raiders, are you surprised that the Oakland Raiders are the the least valuable franchise in the NFL? You know what's interesting? I didn't I just saw that chart and I should pull it up a little closer and take a look at the revenues. Because I think that's interesting to note revenues versus valuation. But that chart's just not coming back. We've got the world's slowest internet here. It's 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 called slow band. Um, it's not broadband. It's it's narrow band. It's awful. Oh, it's taking. This is how long it takes to load a, a screen. Okay, okay. Revenues for the Raiders two hundred fifteen million per year. Revenues for the Niners two hundred fourteen. So the Raiders actually buy more gear and tickets than the Niners do. It's interesting that the Cowboys are only at two hundred eighty million. The Redskins lots and lots of revenue there three hundred forty five million. Redskins as a franchise, they have the highest amount of revenue coming out. The lowest, it looks like 208 would be your Detroit uh, Detroit Lions, 208 million per year in revenue. So this number is shocking. The fire that is crushing Los Angeles, it reminds you of one thing. It's called the Station Fire. 144,000 acre blaze in Los Angeles National forest northeast of downtown 38 percent contained right now as of this morning guarded optimism that they're going to basically save it it's interesting to note that the facility there's an observatory that spent several thousand dollars in the past eight years to control uh, brush and clear trees to improve the chances of uh not getting smoked out in a fire it's actually worked this is the facility where albert einstein visited in 1931 where four of jupiter's moons were discovered it's got a water reserve of half a million gallons that hasn't been tapped it's an interesting story the fire story to me reminds us, update your insurance every three to five years. Again, your homeowner's insurance needs to be updated every three to five years. And uh, really super important that you ultimately do that. Freeport, McMoran & Copper, a stock that I own, a stock that's been a big winner for me, up 60% this year. Freeport, McMoran & Copper, price target was recently raised to $87 from $69. 
you know the, the radio talk show hosts who say buy gold, invest in gold? No, no, no. Buy copper. They don't know what they're talking about. The reason they, they say buy gold is because they get a huge kickback from that gold company. I don't get a kickback. I get no kickbacks. It's beautiful being me. It's nice to be able to be honest. So it's nice to, you know, not have to pitch and shuck, so to speak. Am I allowed to say shuck on the air? <laughs> I'm allowed to say shuck. So one time on the air, and program director was a little maniacal. <laughs> I said the word ship. I said, that's bullship. And boy, did he go crazy. He thought I said the other word. And anyway, long story short, sometimes me and program directors don't see eye to eye. Recent improvement in leading economic indicators for the upgrade in countries like the United States, Europe, and Japan. So copper getting a little bit of love. Freeport Mac brand copper and gold. So it's a play on both gold and copper. Um, price target goes up a little bit higher on it. Now, Cisco got a nice upgrade. Cisco. Cisco, the company, I don't know. Sometimes you feel like you're a little bit slow. I recently learned that the name Cisco came from San Francisco. For some reason, I wanted it to be like a shorter version of Crisco. Like their routers were so good, they're they're greasy hot. I don't know. So anyway, um, Cisco, they're they're turning up the offensive right now. And an analyst research note came out today talking about how they're trying to reclaim some lost market share and grow their addressable market, some initiatives at recovering enterprise market and investors may expand Cisco's multiple. So they're using the downturn to go after their competitors. They're using their downturn. They've got a huge cash balance sheet, huge. So the downturn may be behind the United States and Cisco's opportunistically adding headcount right now. Cisco's hiring. They're trying to target rich verticals such as education, healthcare, public safety, they're proactively adjusting their channel programs to lock in their loyal customer base. For planning purposes, Cisco is not factoring in any service provider spending flush late this year, so they're, they're under-promising. This is implying that any incremental spend by AT&T, Verizon, or others may prove to be upsides their quarter. Price target on Cisco, probably about $27, and I think that's a pretty fair number, and I don't think that's getting too far out of hand. If you want to buy clothes, if you want to buy investments, you know, stocks, Cisco, network equipment, Intel, semiconductors, Apple, iPhone, you, you get the product tied towards them all, right? Wall Street, is, stocks are all about product. They're about management and product. But you can actually buy what I would refer to as a cheap clothing company. I want to be caught dead in a Joseph A. Banks suit. But Joseph A. Banks, their income for the second quarter, it rose 41%. Why do you think that is? People that have jobs, they're, they're spending less money. So they're downsizing from the nice Italian garment to the Joseph A. Bank jacket that's going to fall apart in three or four trips to the dry cleaner. So Joseph A. Banks, um, earnings up 41% year over year. That's a pretty good number. So a downturn in the economy, it can help stores like Ross. Want to be caught dead in a Ross? Want to be caught dead in a Joseph A. Bank store? Wouldn't be caught dead in a TJ Maxx. I own shares of TJ Maxx. And yet, look what's happening. All those stocks are doing well. Because in a downturn, people still have to spend money. So they're looking to do it in a more frugal manner. Now, there's a company that I want to make to your attention. It's a company called LPS. LPS is Lender Processing Services. Now, you know about mortgage delinquencies. And you know about foreclosures. They're going to remain elevated probably through 2010. Oppenheimer did a little bit of research on the Mortgage Bankers Association's National Delinquency Survey, 
And they come up with a thesis that mortgage delinquencies and foreclosures are going to remain elevated longer than people think. That survey shows stabilization, but elevated levels of delinquencies and still very high rates of foreclosures. Both surveys indicate that prime loans, which are 70% in the loan pie, they're experiencing the greatest rate of recent deterioration. So this company, LPS, what do they do? Why did Oppenheimer link LPS to foreclosures? Well, loan processing services is making a go of it on its own. The company, it was spun off from Fidelity in 2008. They provide the mortgage industry with technology to assist lenders from start to finish from checking credit and applying for mortgages to processing and closing services. LPS also offers data and analytics for the mortgage and capital markets industries and provides default management services for the secondary mortgage market. More than 1,000 banks in the United States use LPS and the system called Mortgage Servicing Package, MSP. LPS processes more than half of all mortgages in the United States. Their customers include Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and National City Mortgage. So if you want to take advantage of foreclosures spiking, delinquencies up, there's a company that's publicly traded called LPS. Now, is it evil of me to tell you to do that? Is it evil of me to show you that in swine flu there's investments? Is it evil of me to suggest that you use your neighbor's hose to water your lawn in the middle of the night? You better. You betcha. So I'm not highly recommending it, but maybe it's an idea to save money. Let's go to Jose in Menlo Park. Jose? Hi, uh, Rob. I just had a question. Do you think the, um, the geography of the, of the value affects the valuation of the Raiders and the Niners, given the fact that they're in close proximity, so they share a geographic market? Now, that might not hold because the Jets and the Giants are both worth a lot of money, and they're in kind of a similar or the same market. But anyway, just wondering if, uh, if the geography affects the valuation of these two teams. Good question. And to be honest with you, I have no clue. And um, nice thing about me is I'm honest. When I have no clue, I've got no clue. It is nice being in the Bay Area because it's huge. The Bay Area, and for that matter, coastal cities in the United States have huge masses of people. And that's where the value comes in. It's the the number of eyeballs for the television contracts. It's the number of eyeballs that um, are willing to come to your games and such. So the geography certainly has them. You know, Detroit couldn't, couldn't support two teams, but the Bay Area can support two teams. And the revenues look pretty good. And if I were to go back to that chart and say, take a look at Pittsburgh, you know, we're pulling in $400 million plus per year in support of two teams, whereas Pittsburgh only spends $235 million. So, yeah, you know, if we only had one team, certainly the giant, um, if, we, if we only had one team, certainly the Niners or the Raiders would be worth a lot more money. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm up out of time. My two hours are over. Still haven't lost my job. Knock on wood. I'll be back tomorrow in 22 hours if management didn't hear the show today. If they did, maybe I won't. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Tomorrow, Will Durst in the second hour. First hour, I'll give you all the money that you can handle. Second hour, hopefully, we'll make you giggle and snicker. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.